guys, welcome to Cult Film Interview, the podcast where we discuss the films you love, but no one else gets and we see if they still hold up. Uh, tonight, uh, we are going to start the show by doing something a little unusual here. Uh, I'm pretty excited to say this. We, we have a sponsor. Uh, actually, our, our first sponsor. Uh, so this is really cool, guys. I'm excited to say, um, uh, do you like scary? Yes. Yeah, yes. Like scary. That's good. Uh, do you like horror? Yes. Yeah, I think thing. we can say okay. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of the same thing. You just repeated the same thing. Uh, then, guys, I need you to check out uh, the new book by author Sutter Kane, In the Mouth of Madness, a terrifying tale that will drive you into madness. Okay, guys, this guy has sold more books than Stephen King. He is the real deal. Not only that, they got a movie coming out soon. Uh, so let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> Where in the hell are we? I'm so sure. Want a date? Listen, sister, if I want your opinion, I'll beat it out of you. This whole thing is turned into a theatrical mockery. You understand that, Mike? Stop eating my sesame cake. Just look like you like me, and let's stand time. All right? No. The snakes up in this bed. What man's got Mark? What did I say? No jelly rolls. What are you going to do to me, Daddy? You can't piss on hospitality. I won't allow it. Okay, motherfucker. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining the cult. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am your host, Cody Everett. Do me a favor. Head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. We'll give you a shout-out at the end of the show. We got three to do tonight. Shout-out! Three that, to do. I feel like I came in too soon on that. You came in too angry, too. Too late. Too Shout-out! <laughs> Hold on. Uh, and then do us a favor, head over to our iTunes and subscribe, and then do us another huge, this is a huge, huge favor for us. Uh, if you are saying, hey, you know, Cody, how can I support the show any other way than just leaving you a review? Well, now you can get yourself. Well, while looking good doing it. Yes. You, you can look good doing it because you get yourself your own uh, CFIR gear by heading over to redbubble.com, go into their little search bar and just type in CFIR. And it will pull up our shirts that you can now purchase after three years and support us, your favorite podcast. There's a sweet, you know, there's sweet uh, uh, Meg Foster shirts. We got all kinds. Of, just go check it out. Just go you, can get our, you can get our classic just logo shirt that you might have seen us wearing in Instagram posts in the past. That's true. I'm, we're trying to cover the films that we've covered on the show. We're trying to, to cover the films that you love, but no one else gets, really, is what we're trying to do. And see if those t-shirts still hold up. That's right. After 10 I think years. they will. They're made of good fabric, <laughs> and uh, they can survive we're... a good 100 washes. We all agree you know? a tri-blend yeah, really say, lasts. spring for the tri-blend. Yeah, know? spring. Tri-blend really Upgrade. lasts. Upgrade. Treat yourself. Something silky smooth <laughs> on your skin. Payday's coming up. I like That's good, right. I like a good tri-blend. <laughs> Tote bags. You name it, it's on Redbubble. It's on redbaby.com. <laughs> no, it's actually on redbubble.com. Uh, again, go to the search bar, search CFIR, uh, and we'll have it also in our Instagram, uh, coldfilmreview.com. There'll be links everywhere. As always, I'm joined by Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Wolbert. Hey, what's up? And Michael Salucio. Hello, everybody. Before we get into this film, uh, Chris and Mike, you guys went to uh, the Comic Fest now, right? Comic Fest. Comic Fest now? Which, by this time, they've already changed their name again. It's like Phoenix Fan Fest or something like Fan Fan. Fan Fest is like I thought their second Phoenix thing Comic do. Fan. No, I think it's called it's called like Phoenix Festival of Comic Fan Fest. Fanstiful. <laughs> Fantastical. Comic Fanstiful. The, the Fantastical Comic Fest of of Fantastical Phoenix. But this was this was we was at, we were at a Phoenix Comic <laughs> Fest. Yes, we were. 
the yeah, 2018. Let's just call it. Can we just call it Comic Con, please? Yes. I mean, it's not really Comic Fest. Can, Phoenix fine. Comic Com- Fest. Comic Fest. Um, what was that experience like? That was fun. We had yeah. a good time. We hit up. Just ask yourself. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah as you know, many, somebody's uh, got to ask the questions. <laughs> good job, Cody. Go ahead. Mike, can you please tell me what you guys did that day? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Painful. Um, okay, go ahead. Yeah, we, we hit up uh, as many horror panels as we could, yeah. really. We, we got it out in there at like 8 o'clock, first thing. Um, we uh, walked in there. First panel was with our friend Monty. Yeah, bold horror statements. Bold horror statements, and it was all stuff like, um, like Exorcist Three was better than Exorcist One, or, or Halloween Two is actually a good movie. The remake. Yeah. Oh, that's these uh, are all brave I, statements. I would, yeah. Well, Mike, why don't you tell the, tell everyone here what you said? I I I Love mirrored it. what we talked about quite a few times on the show. Is that. <laughs> Event Horizon's just not that good of a film, and it doesn't date well. The room erupted, like, (laughs) in anger. (laughs) Did they really? Yeah, they weren't. weren't A lot of them weren't too happy with it. No. Which is great because who knew? Like, who knew that that film had such an effect on on so many people? And you know what's funny? Wasn't there a guy in the room that was like, you know it's a great film, by the way? Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I just want to talk about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And we're sitting over here Me, like, we just, like, totally, Sarah, like oh, we God. just totally reviewed that movie. And you should go listen to it. It was last week's episode. Anyway. We didn't give it a bad review. We gave it a middle of the road. No, we did okay with it. I but, mean, but, not but Kyle. It was cool because they had um, they had the guy who runs the all the panels for the horror uh, the horror yeah. panels. Was it AJ Hernandez? Yeah, and then yeah. and then Rebecca McKendry who does Shockwaves and you and know Monty. She, and works for Bloomhouse. And, this, they were all and the, Monty. the same panel together? Yeah. Yeah, they were all on the same panel together and then they did another they did another panel which was um well we went to the BS Movies podcast. That's right, podcast I'm sorry. We went to the panel, BS Movies podcast. It was another panel. local podcast here in, in in the Phoenix area. And it was like your favorite scream queens and Yeah. It was pretty interesting. A lot of people had a lot of different ones. You could tell by like the age of the crowd, like who was gonna pick what, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. one one girl behind us, you could tell she couldn't have been older than maybe nineteen. Yeah. And she was just like, Well, like, I mean, straight up like Buffy Summers. Like and I was just like Wow. Okay. Like, I mean, nothing against Buffy Summers as being like. I like that she picked. That. That's a good no, answer. It's a good answer. It yeah. is a good answer. It, was, it wasn't the typical one, you know. Right. Where it, like, no. I mean, like, I was actually like, wow, how many scream queens are there out there, you know? And and honestly, there's not that many that are like super famous. They you didn't know? name my favorite. I I always liked Barbara Crampton the most. Yeah, they didn't name her, yeah, which, which was, I was surprised. But of yeah. course, Jamie Lee Curtis and yeah, you I, know all those like the usual suspects. Adrian Barbo, I think, probably got brought up. Yeah, maybe. But that was interesting. Andrea was there from Film Bar, and then after that, we went to uh, scariest moments. Scariest yeah. moments. Yeah, scariest moments. And there were some good ones like. Like AJ brought up Pet Cemetery, if you guys remember the the girl who has the deformity who's like in the bed. It's you only see her for about five minutes in the movie tops. Yeah, but it, mm-hmm. it, it, it I, is I a forgot scary, about it. It is a scary moment. It truly is such a freaky scene. Yeah, I forget what disease she has, but um, um yeah, she has like some weird like scoliosis or something yeah, like, like her that. I can't remember. Twisted. Yeah, she's all twisted and stuff like that. But she comes. I any guys remember that film? It was. Yeah. We should do it on. The, we should do Pet Cemetery Two on the podcast. Yeah, I would. I would be very <laughs> down with it. Two. Yeah. And then there was a there was a fire alarm, and then the guy got short, and we well, didn't get that to go was kind of scary because man, when that happened, I wasn't there. Yeah, but I was on uh, social media at the time when that happened. Man, I was like a little. 
worried, and then I got because like, the initial reports was like it was like fucking gas. Yeah, they said like chemical leak or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like oh shit. That was like the initial thing people were saying on social media. It was like yeah, yeah we had to get evacuated. Well, like, clear, cl- gas. <laughs> clearly the people that that pulled the alarm have never been to a comic con before and realized that that odor is normal. <laughs> <laughs> that gas, that gas is very common. <laughs> that comes free. That comes free with the ticket. That comes free with the ticket. Oh my! That's God. a great question. That, that's that's actually a cool topic. Scariest moments. It can was, you guys yeah. think of your favorite off the top of your head right now? I can think of one. I have one already in my head. I I actually went up. I actually went up and and told they. You know, I didn't get to say mine. You got to say yours though, right? Did didn't, I? Didn't you get to pick one? You raised your hand. You were like, "This was a scary moment." And oh yeah, but it was at the very end when people. Yeah, you were like, like the last person. Like the I didn't get to say mine. I forgot what the fuck I even said now. Ernest scared stupid. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah like I think that. it was Ernest scared. I I had mentioned that like it was like for me it was um. <laughs> so like I grew up Catholic, so I always saw The Exorcist as being like this the most frightening movie to me to yeah, this day. It's like the most frightening is. movie to my because but it's because like I feel like I was raised Catholic and I had this idea that that was could be a real thing that fucking it could happen to you right yeah <laughs> but like my current girlfriend you know who is you know gonna be my girlfriend for a very very long time by the way you know but um so I meet that new model yeah. you know <laughs> It's a horrible way to put that. Um, oh, no, my girlfriend, uh, she's Jewish, and like I learned a lot about like not only the Holocaust, but like you know treatment of Jews throughout the years and history of like even going back to like Russia and like all of that stuff. And uh, I, I've talked about it. I think on our Instagram, this movie, uh, the people who own the dark. It's like this really weird, like kind of like it, it. I think it's a Spanish film. But it has a very weird zombie-esque kind of thing, almost like a Romero kind of situation. But the zombies are blind people. You can skip all over all of that, but at the end of it, like, there's this really weird, like, Holocaust scene in it. And it, like, redeems the whole movie. Like, you're kind of like, okay, this is a quirky film. This is kind of whatever. And then at the end, you're like, holy fucking shit, what happened here? (laughs) You know? Like, it just drops you into this really morbid fucking future. Um that that was actually a movie that I wanted to bring up just because, like, I don't know why it, it affected me on a very at a weirder level. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like a dark, like, like a dark, level. like psychological level to me. Yeah. It's definitely not one of those like holy shit, like jump, jump out of my pants yeah. kind yeah. of thing. Well, but it was like, one of those things that like it stuck with me for a few days. Yeah, it me off that I can't remember what thing. I said. I mean, the one that I instantly thought of when you brought that up was the scene from Audition when you realize the yeah. dude in the bag. Oh, it moves. It moves, and like to me, like again, that's that's more of a psychological thing because you're just like, oh my god, she's been keeping some dude in a bag. You don't even see it until it moves, and then you're like, what the fuck was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My thing was uh is from the movie Bundy. What? Okay. That serial killer movie? Yes, dude. That that, that the, the reason that one, fr- one freaked me out so bad is because he would just like how he would fucking just t- trick women into coming to his car and he had a like a Volkswagen Beetle and they had the, like the arm like had a fucking cast on his arm, trick women to come in his car and under the wheel well he have a hammer and just fucking clock him in the head and throw him in his car. Like that's oh. how like that just absolutely terrified me that it was so easy for someone just to 
Dude, to grab, that, and yeah. it really happened. You know, like this stuff is. You know, <clears throat> like he was the, like. So that psychologically fucked me up that, that someone could even do that shit. So that would be that would be my answer. Gotcha. Well, either way, great times. I had a great time. Yeah, it was super um, fun. We had a fun time. I there, wish we could have so. seen the last uh, panels, but, but you know, it, it was got a evacuated. Or so. yeah. 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 yeah, it was a gas leak from one of the costumes. <laughs> <Fake> <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> yeah, it's coming from the hot dog stand. Oddly <laughs> enough, it's coming from the bathroom near the hot dog stand. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, sorry. Good shit. Tonight, we're talking about In the Mouth of Madness. It was directed by John Carpenter. Came out in 1994? Yes, sir. Because yeah. I have 88 written down, <laughs> and it's not right. 88, huh? Uh, yeah. Had a budget. Uh, that does tie into something I want to talk about. But it has a budget of $8 million, Made $8.9 in the box office. Breaking even right there. <laughs> $900,000. It's breaking even. That's huge. Uh, was filmed here in the U.S., has a rating of R, and fit, currently sits at 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. This was Kyle's pick. Kyle, why did you pick In the Mouth of Badness? Well, I thought it was time to go back to John Carpenter, and with this pick, I decided to pick a film that um, I personally don't really remember a lot of this movie when I first saw it. I don't remember if I liked it. I don't remember how I felt about it, and I thought, well... The last four or five John Carpenter films we've done have all been gems in my heart anyway, and I thought it'd be good to finally do John Carpenter, but do one that's a little more, at least controversial for me, because I don't really know even how I feel about it, and I thought it'd be a better conversation. And this one, this one uh, start, or is the second film that we've reviewed in the Apocalypse Trilogy. Third film in the Apocalypse Well, it's the third, it's the third, third one released, but the second it's we've actually done. Oh, what's, okay, the, yes. what's the first one? The, the, thing. the thing is the first. The thing is the first. Prince right. of Darkness. Prince of Darkness is second, and then, then, then the third, because yes. we yeah. can assume that the world ends after this. Right, which all those films you just assume. We can't assume that from this movie. But, like, I kind of feel like They Live deserves to be on there. <laughs> they Live doesn't deserve to be on there. I, I feel I like think it, I think it does because yeah, I, you have to kind of think about what happens post- the destruction of the satellite dish. So the satellite dish gets destroyed, and now 50 or more percent of the population is suddenly aliens. I mean, what's going to follow that? Do you think yeah, it's like going to be? War. You think it's going to be like? Yeah, I think it's going to be like. Well, you know, this is just it's alienation. Yeah, we're just gonna, you know, they're going to be cops. And... Coexist time. No, it's 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 going to be chaos, songs. and that's how this movie is, is ends. It ends with the idea that uh, that a book has the sheer power to. Destroy the world. It does. All right. Uh, has anyone, uh, Chris, have you seen this before? I have seen this before, but I didn't remember much of it. And for some reason, I always get this film and Needful Things mixed up. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know things. why. I think those movies might have come out around the same time and they might have had like similar trailers. So I confused them a lot. I always get this film mixed up with the movie Malice. Starring Alec Baldwin and Nicole, <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Malice. I never saw that one. Is you that know, a joke? I'm missing out on the joke, I feel like. It is, it is. People out there who have seen Malice will know that those films are not alike at all. <laughs> right. Which is funny because uh, it's a sense of... Uh, this week on Cold Film Interview, Mike <laughs> does comedy. Yes. It's Finally. coming at you. My turn. <laughs> my turn. Uh, Mike, have you ever seen this before? No, this is actually my first time. Never seen In the Mouth of Madness. I thought you said you had. 
I never said that. There's no way. I feel like I thought that that happened. It's one of the reasons why I was kind of drawn to doing this pick. Maybe that was Cody then. Have you seen it before, Cody? Uh, this is my first time viewing it. Definitely not you either then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Why did you avoid this film up until this point? That's I never... a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I never avoided I it. I, I just I just oh. never... So, Mike, why did you think this film was a, a stinking pile of dog shit yeah. not... <laughs> up <laughs> no, to no, this no. point? I, I, yeah. No, I guess I, I guess... Oh, you didn't? Oh. Let me explain from my point of it. I avoided this film. Why would you avoid the because film? Because everyone I had talked to had seen this film and or mentioned a John Carpenter film, A, either never mentions this film, mm-hmm. or B, if they do mention it, they're like, it's not good. Okay. That's, I... I never hear anybody raving about this movie. Never heard, yeah. Never, <laughs> I've never heard anybody about rave about it. Um, but I think the reason I never saw it was just because maybe, not because people told me it was bad, but just because people don't really talk about it. And I think yeah. when as I was going through like the library of John Carpenter films that were must-sees, like, I'd never... Thought yeah. like maybe we should check this one out, yeah. which is yeah. weird because I've seen Ghost of Mars. Yeah, well, <laughs> well Ghost of Mars say, is must see. Let's I, just say that. I will say too. The other thing that I remember thinking to myself. So I saw. I first saw this movie I've, back when I was probably like eighteen, nineteen, around that time when I was. I I was diving deep. I think I've talked about it on the show. There's an era in my life when I got to like mid teens when I started to discover a director and kind of following his life. And John Carpenter was the first one I latched onto, and I started kind of shooting through his movie and his catalog. And I remember seeing it and thinking, eh, I don't know about that. I don't, it's not really memorable. But when I went and saw John Carpenter live and he they played the theme to this and they had on the screen behind him a bunch of scenes in this movie, I remember thinking like, hey, you know, I don't think that was as bad of a movie as I thought it was. Like, I should yeah. pick that movie. Right. Because the theme is on point. You know, I, I, I think one thing this film really has going for it, and I don't know, disagree with me if you want, but I fucking love the title of this movie. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it's In the Mouth title. of Madness is a great horror movie title. It's a fucking good title. I'll give you that. It is a really good title. And you know what movie I, I used to mistake this one for? What's that? I get this I get this one, for some reason, I get this one mixed up with three other, with two other movies. It. Jacob's Ladder. I was just gonna say that. And um, Serpent in the Rainbow. Okay. For some reason, those three films just yeah meld together in my you. mind, and they all kind of have that box art. I think it's box it's art, dude. Box art, definitely with Jacob's Ladder in this one, for sure, for sure. Yes, oh, and okay, I think they kind okay, of all. Maybe. I think if you look talking trailer wise, and you look at all three films trailers stacked together, I think they all kind of have this like late eighties, early nineties kind of vibe. Well, even this, I would even say this film kind of has somewhat of a Jacob's Ladder's vibe. To, but Jacob's Ladder came out after this or before? Way before. Before. Yeah. It has kind of a, a Jacob's Ladder vibe to me a little mm-hmm. bit. Not like, in sense of like, just tone, not story, not, you know what I mean? Like, I would even of, say the box art doesn't, isn't anything like this box art. But it has like some of the whiskiness. Yeah, it's got like, the, it's got the, like, the, the dreamlike the, feel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. like the, the light beams kind that of That question of what is yeah, reality, what's light, not. Smeared you know? light. Yeah. Yeah. A lot I understand. of smear. I understand. A lot of smear, lot gonna, of smear on the cover. Fucking Sam Neill's face screaming in on the cover of this coming out of a book. You know that was kind of yeah, uh, and it was like a tan. Jacob's ladder was him going up the stairs, and it's all blue. Yeah, but shit. there's all the light pouring out. That's and... true. It's true. I could, yeah, it gives you a, a vibe, maybe yes. a, a yes. similar vibe. Yes. Yeah. yes, very similar vibe. You know what? To talk about that vibe, I think we should just figure out what the plot of this movie is, and for that, we need to go to uh, plots with Mike. Yeah, let's talk about a little man called John Trent. 
He is a guy. JT. JT. Uh, he's a lawyer, right? Is he a lawyer? No, no he's no. an insurance, insurance, investigator. insurance investigator. Okay, very, right. very did you watch job, Mike? the movie? Yeah, I did. I just couldn't. I <laughs> All right. couldn't forget. I couldn't remember what it was. Couldn't very, forget. Um, <laughs> but you did. <laughs> so he's an insurance investigator, and uh, he is set to uh, invest. Well, let's just start off. He starts off in an insane asylum. That's where we first meet John, and uh, he, th- you know, it's it's kind of one of those films where it's like. Like, how did you end up this way? Well, let me tell you. Yeah, you know, it's a flashback, right? So he f- it, it starts off with the flashback, and he's a sure uh, investigator, yep. and he has to investigate this uh, uh, author known as yes. Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane. <laughs> so he shows up at the uh, publishing company, and they're kind of like, "Yeah, Sutter Kane. He's hard to find, but you know, you may never have heard of him." But he's sold more books than Stephen King, which is a little weird. Well, and all of his books like look like Stephen King books. They all look like Stephen <laughs> King books. It's basically Stephen King. Is if Stephen King was like no one had ever seen him before but or something books, like that. The book style but the, is. But the books are very H.P. Lovecraft. Yes. 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 They definitely are. The actually, commercial. Actually, what actually is very Stephen King. Fun though. fact. Yes. Fun fact. All yeah, of the right. books that Sutter King wrote are just very slight variations on, on H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft stories you know, yeah. titles. Yeah. Like Call of the Hutulu. <laughs> the Hutulu. <laughs> the yeah. Hutulu. Yeah. Anyways, so John, not being a man who will ever give up on anything, is like, I'm going to go get my man. So he goes to this place called, uh, what is it called? Hobbs End. Hobbs End. Yeah. And he goes there with his uh, uh, Sutter's uh, agent. Like writing agent, uh, she's the editor. editor. She's editor. the editor. Right. His agent. I really don't feel like I really don't feel like Mike watched I'm this just, movie. No, I'm just getting <laughs> uh, I'm just getting jobs mixed up. Like, yeah, okay, I keep going. I knew keep she going. worked no. for a publishing company. Yeah. Anyway, her editor. So they head up to this place, and he's convinced it doesn't even like really. Well, I mean, he he knows it's a real place because he has a vision where he kind of puts all the uh, covers of the books together, right. and he kind of pinpoints where this place is but he's a pretty let's be honest john is a skeptic throughout all of this yeah. like yes. and people are like oh man people what's like, his job to be a skeptic right people read his books man they the go con. crazy and he's just like whatever so uh he shows up and he, they find this place hobbs in and then that's when they start seeing weird phenomena and you know john being the skeptic that he is doesn't quite believe it but then he comes across things that maybe he can't quite explain there you go. What do they experience? They experience a weird what? Phenomenon. No, 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 no. Then it becomes See? a mix between Twilight Zone yeah. and Goosebumps. Yeah. You could have gone two ways with that joke, Cody. You could have mentioned John Travolta as well. Oh, could have gone. Yes, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good point. Right. And we were in the 90s. Let's but stay I, in the 90s. But I went Muppets with him. Sorry. You did. Sutter <laughs> Kane. Sutter Kane, a funeral agent, right? That's what they call them? Funeral agents? The people that write books, right? <laughs> funeral, <laughs> funeral agent. So let's go ahead. <laughs> Sutter Kane is a uh, internet blogger. <laughs> and, uh... and take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> Cut it out. I can't. You like blend your fucking words together. Oh, Trying well, to then. cut you is like impossible. Then keep it in. Stop freelancing. Join my staff. I'll make it worth your while, Trent. Forget it, Robbie. I'm an on man. Nobody pulls my strings. I'm independent. I'm happy. Well, be my man one more time. I'm having quite a difficult mess with Arcane. Publishing house? Yeah. It's my biggest account. They just filed a claim. It cost me millions. I want you on this right away. 
What's the claim? Sutter Kane's missing. Who? Sutter Kane. And we're back. If you're just joining us, we're talking about um, Sutter Kane's famous novel, In the Mouth of Madness, directed by John Carpenter. Um, so, yeah, dude, I'm kind of... Okay, so let's... Uh, Take us on a journey, Cody. Let's ask this question first, though. Let's figure this out. Is this... Are we in the Matrix? Are we in the book Matrix? What do you I mean? I feel like it could be called the book Matrix, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like the fact that you're asking that is what maybe irritates me about this movie. I don't actually understand it. So, it like, you know so how you're in the Matrix you're in a computer? Yeah. Right? This is the book, book Matrix. Where, He's yeah. in a book. I feel like this is somebody reading this book and then envisioning themselves like as the character or... I don't know. I'm confused. Is it uh, is the is where, what is reality in this book? You know is what, it the book is, the whole you know, time? What is reality I, in this movie? I you know yeah. what how, you know I, how we can how we can associate. We can look at a film that came out years after this one with a very similar plot, which is Stranger Than Fiction, starring uh, uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. That was also based on a book by Raymond Carver. Right. Yeah. But I, it's a similar kind of concept, though, isn't it? Is, is it not? It, it, the 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 thing with the book is. Yes, I think re- reality is a little all over the place in this movie and what what's true and what's not. I feel like we are living in reality up until the guy attacks him with the axe. And then from the time the guy attacks him from the axe until he comes out of the insane asylum, he lets himself out. That is a quasi non-reality, but then he comes back out into reality, which is this world completely destroyed. And I think it drives that that point home quite a bit when he the movie basically ends with him laughing at the fact that this whole time he's just been a pawn in this guy's fucking world destruction story. Yeah, but it's it doesn't ever shy away from that. It's a book, though. Like there's no, it doesn't. There is no. I feel like there is no reality in this, and that we're just on this journey of this book that this person wrote. Because it reminds me of a book uh, that Clive Barker wrote, which is called Mister Begone. Where it's a, it's you're reading the book, and as you're reading the book, inside of the book there is a demon who's trying to get you to stop reading the book. Okay, okay, that's kind of a cool concept. It's a, I like the book. It didn't get a lot of good reviews, but I actually really enjoyed that book. Um, I was totally thinking of the wrong film. Sorry, Kyle. Kyle. With their cousins. Klaus. <laughs> Klaus. Klaus. <laughs> I'm sorry, Klaus. When you when you said stranger than thinking, I was thinking of everything must go. Uh, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, like totally different movie right yeah, there. Man, I don't remember any of this shit happening. <laughs> totally Why does this remind movie. him of fucking in the mouth of Yeah, Madness? you know in the mouth of <laughs> Sam Neill sitting on the lawn, you know, full of all of his shit. Yeah. So the thing That's is, weird. is I don't feel like sorry. this movie wanted to ever define whether we were in a real I, reality yeah, or we were in a I mental insanity state or whatever. And I don't think it's I don't think it is either because I think it's trying to say something about media. Media as yeah. far as the message of this film. I think it's I think it's touching that, on media. I think that's the John Carpenter element of it. I think the writer of the script element is again, this is like I think this movie is like a fucking swan song to H.P. Lovecraft, and H.P. Lovecraft do- deals heavily with like schizophrenia but and psychosis. I, and stuff I also like that. feel like it's it's part of that too, but it's also about like consumerism, and maybe I'm just pulling this shit out of my ass. But that's what I got is like consumerism you mean like and how media. The end? I think there's a little bit of that in there. Well, because yeah. it, it's like these people keep on selling these books, and they know that it drives people mad. And so other books have had these effects on people, yeah. according to the story. 
I, I'll agree with that because that's, I mean, consumerism. I mean, that's a that's a that's a John Carpenter fucking that 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 is a that is a a, a staple, a yeah. staple of John Carpenter. And I think they touch on a lot with saying that people are rioting over yeah, not being able to get this book and stuff like that. If you listen to the radio, the radio, the radio does a great job. The radio with exp- in this exposition. movie gives you a lot of exposition in a lot of parts of this movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if you want to know, the former president of New Line Cinema and DreamWorks wrote this film. Michael DeLuca, he he's produced tons of movies, dude. Like, well, yeah. I mean, but he he wrote this film. He's also a writer, that's, which I thought was that's super. Really but didn't he write this in the mid '80s, though? Right? Yeah, it was. Oh real my early. god! So yeah. that brings me back to, to to me not knowing the year of '88 because, dude, and watching this film, this is where I can kind of um, also get at it, dude. I was I t- when me and Mike got done watching it, I said, dude, this came out in like '93. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, dude, it feels like it came out in like fucking '87. Yeah, because <laughs> originally, from what I read, the Michael DeLuca wanted John Carpenter to direct this. He turned it down, and then it went through, it got passed through a couple other directors who just couldn't get it together for whatever reason. And then in about 1993, John Carpenter came back around and was like, "Okay, I'll direct this movie." Well, I mean, his career wasn't doing anything in right. He was like, "I need a paycheck." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you get in the mouth of And that's what I kind of that that's kind of I think the reason I think that might be the reason why I'm not this isn't the most memorable John Carpenter film to me because look, films that he's had like a bulk of the writing credit of yeah. feel very cohesive John Carpenter and films like this where he's he's directing somebody else's work Kind of feels a little. See, little I feel off. like this might be one of his better ones of directing somebody else's work, in my opinion, because up until the end, which we'll get into where I lost it, and I think Mike would agree with me on this too, because we watched the end together, because um, we like to do that. Uh, no, but the beginning of this film <laughs> for me, Mike nods. I was into it, man. I was there was great tension there. I was trying to figure out the mystery of like where where is he? Is he in the book? Is he not in the book? Yeah. What is happening here? And then like I was really into that. So I, and I felt like it was the tension was built really good and the um the cinematography for that like all that stuff was good and then just I mean it falls apart towards the end of the film, which is really odd in right. my opinion. Yeah. What part falls apart for When you? he rips his fucking face yeah. off like a page, dude. Yeah. That's where I get lost. Lost me gotta, instantly. Gotta love the gotta love the nineties digital yeah. effects. It wasn't <laughs> even this the digital effect, it was just the representation like, what does of it. it. Mean? What it was does it mean? stupid. Yeah. 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 It's so funny too. This is like it, I watched it I watched this with my girlfriend and I mean she rarely has commentary on the technical aspect of films. But even when he ripped his face off into his page, she like made a very loud like ah, this is so stupid looking. I mean, even when the page was coming like through the door or whatever, like that, it just yeah, some things just didn't hold up. Yeah, that whole <laughs> yeah, and, and honestly, like after after rewatching this movie, and I agree with you hundred percent, Cody. Because um, after rewatching the movie, when I when I get to that final scene, I just kind of am like, eh, I don't care. Because I'm, I'm honest, to be honest with you, the only thing I can't figure out is if the smoking is supposed to represent anything. Because yeah, I'm, right? I'm, I'm fascinated by Sam Neill's character in this movie, right? I think it's, it, I think it's a great character. I think he did a great job playing it. Can't figure out the cigarette thing. He has to have a cigarette every five fucking seconds. I'm gonna say I don't think he did a great job. Playing really? This character. No, yeah, I really don't. I really don't. I liked him. In I this. thought some of these performances were painful from him for me there, to watch. There is some. There's some. It, you know what? And this is the thing we've talked about this. So 
so many fucking times. And every time we do a Sam Neill film, I'm always like, is he a good actor? <laughs> is he a bad actor? I can't really tell. But you've seen him in shit that you think I've he's seen great in. Shit, like I've seen him in, in like Possession. We just yeah, both recently, recently watched. Yeah. Did you guys we, watch that? Well, he did recently. You and I watched it yeah. around the same time, Kyle. Oh, you watched it? Recently? I did. Yeah. yeah. You son of a bitch. Yeah. And that um, was I was saving that for the show. Well, we could do it. We could still matter. do I it. Watch it again. <laughs> like, I watch it twice. I usually watch most of these twice. Uh, all right. So now Keep three going. of us have seen it. Um, yeah, that I thought he was really good in. Jurassic Park, I always thought he was really good in. But like Event Horizon, there's times when I don't like him. And in this one, man, <laughs> there are a few scenes. And I'm going to tell you the one that really like had me like groaning yeah, was do. when he's driving in the car and she hits him with a potato chip bag. And he's just like, haven't you ever heard that you can't? Hit a driver with potatoes, chips. I, okay. Oh, hold on. Like, it was weird. It's like, it was the dumbest. Piggybacking off of that. It wasn't it, a good it, line, okay, but no. I mean, he handled no. it as well as he could. No. It's not no, a good line. man. He did kind of have this, like, no, really there, fake smile. Like, he was just phoning it in. There was I, a few I, moments where I, I said, feel, dude's phoning this in I feel in like hard. that was his like, version of being, like, being playful with her. Like, he was trying to be, like, like kind of dude, a smart ass. Every movie that Samuel's good in, he's not playful. Right. Okay. He can't be playful. He's not. It's not, it's not his tone. I mean, okay. I would. Tend I mean, to. now we're cre- now we're now we're breaking a few eggs here. I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. we're on a we're on our way to a great omelet right now. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think of all the Sam Neill roles that I've seen, this is probably one of my least favorite Sam Neill. Really? Roles. I don't think it's I don't, that bad. I don't think dude. it's that bad. Yeah, I don't it's think it's not that, that bad. bad. But it was noticeably more laughable to me than, I, than I, some of the I others. Like, I I liked I liked the kind of hard ass kind of. He's playing. He's playing like this, this, this quasi gumshoe well, type character, and I kind of like. And you um, got to remember, he's not. We don't know if he's real or not. We don't know if he's an actual person or a fucking or, or a character. I'm just gonna assume he's a, a real person. I'm that just gonna assume no he's a real person. That has no bearing on his we acting yeah, we, whatsoever. How? Okay, as an actor, that? you have to ask yourself that choice. You have to make that choice in your head. As an actor, you have to make that choice in your head as that character. Well, right? as a, that has as a to viewer, do with how well he delivers a line, dude. Yeah. As a viewer, <laughs> I chose that he was a real person, like in, in the world. I think he is a real person. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a character that was being affected by Sutter Kane's writing. No, I think I think he's a I think he's hmm. a real person, and I think again, again, the end of the the end of this movie when he is essentially watching the movie in the mouth of madness, directed by John Carpenter, and he's laughing. He realizes that he has been a pawn in this author's whole scheme, like. I, I I don't know. If I feel did. like I feel I can, I, I don't know why that. I connected with that, but I did. I just felt like okay, here's a guy who has a job. He's real life. He has things, and then like he suddenly just kind of gets chosen or picked to be kind of part of this fucking weird story. But that tells me that he's still. Here's the thing, though. He's so he he was real, and then he's trapped in this book. Now is what you're saying? No, I think just everything that's happening to, happening to him is because by the will of the. It seems like the whole world is going to shit by the will of this book. Why wouldn't Sam Neill's character be well, the, someone? Because the, the reason I bring that up is is being in a book is he's watching himself. Like it's not like he was being. It's not the Truman Show. So I, that's why a, I feel like this is like a maybe like a mental break in his psyche where he that part is maybe not happening. The part maybe the part where he gets out and he goes to the movie theater. And he sees himself on the screen starring fucking Trent Franks or whatever the hell his name. Yeah, What's well, his name? John. Fr- it even has John his Trent. name. John Trent. Yeah. It even has his name in the title Franks. of the movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 So I'm like, it's not real to me. That's not. That's telling me. This is telling me it's not real. This is some either a vision he's having, 
or he is actually in the he's in the book now. Because he's watching the the movie is a representation of the book. No, more like no, the book when, and the movie are having such an effect on the world and creating such a realm of madness. I'll take that. And maybe he's, he was and in he's the, the movie f- hub of it all. Maybe he was in the movie, and and they just like maybe there was a movie made and he was the actor and he didn't realize he was the actor. I don't know about oh, that. Shit, dude, he went fucking Joker on this shit. <laughs> oh no, he went Heath Ledger Joker. <laughs> too far, dude. Super method. They got super method. Went too far in it. In the mouth method. of madness is actually an acting term. Don't give this motherfucker <laughs> a black <laughs> brand, It's an acting term. Yeah, it's an acting term. It's when you go too far in the mouth. You you go into the mouth of madness. madness you go too far into the character. That's you right. lose yourself in yeah, the mouth of madness. That's right. That's right. It starts coloring on yourself. But going back to what I was saying about the media thing too is like I definitely think like he is saying he's trying to say something as far as the role that the media plays in perpetuating maybe fear is what i'm getting i don't i don't know Hmm. from what he's trying to say i like why just because they're not doing anything about the rioting and all the shit that's going on well they're well aware that this book is affecting somebody even to the fact that we have someone investigating it in this film right like i don't know what the guy's job is but he definitely seems even at the end when the guy's like you've never read Sutter kane you feel like he's in on this shit right Somehow, like, you're not sure how, you're not sure who he is. You're like, you're not a real doctor. You're some government agent. <laughs> like, that's what I, that's how I felt. Yeah, I got, I got a weird Kinda vibe weird. from that. I got a weird vibe from that. But I, I, I really, keep in mind, okay, so here, here's the thing, though, you have to remember is that this entire movie is a flashback. And it's being, it's a story being told by a real life. Right. John Trent. Well, then, up until the point up where he stabs somebody he, in the yeah. head with an axe. And yeah. then he, and that's the point where he gets taken to the mental. Then he's back into. Then he's yeah. back into the well, cause, present right. again. Because I, right. I also can ask the question because the the guy uh, who's I forget who he is. The guy in the orange suit. I'm not sure if he's a doctor or whatever that comes in and talks to him. Uh, he also the the questions that he asks as he's walking up is is he one of them? Yes. And they're like, we're not sure. It's true. Yeah. So, well, so what is that referring so, yeah, what, to? What, what, somebody what, what, was affected when, by the book. Yeah, that's yeah. referring to like the Sutter Kane people. So I mean, you can kind of think of it to just to, to like oversimplify it. You can just kind of think of it as everybody who reads the Sutter Kane book becomes a zombie. Or some kind of a, a Sutter a Kane monster. Sutter Kane's game. Yes. That doesn't yeah. happen until the end of the film. Right. As there as as I understood it in the middle of the film, they're basically some people. The weak ones have lost their mind. Well, no, th- no, no, no. The beginning of the film is the end of the film. So everything that we see happen from when he gets dropped off at the mental institute, right? He he get he asks for one cranny, covers the wall to make himself look crazy to keep himself in there, um, and then the entire film is a flashback, and then we come back to to right, present day. That. So so yeah, maybe he doesn't. Mi- well, no. The question Cody brought up—it happens before he even talks to him. Is he one of them? So I feel like what happens is, and, and and it recounts this in the film really well, which is that so Sam Neill's character completely and totally exists for one singular purpose in this movie, which is to deliver the completed novel to the publisher yes. to get printed and to get out to the masses. However, in the process of doing so. He he is exposed to the book and kind of loses his mind a little bit, and he doesn't remember delivering the book or any of this shit that that happened, right? Yeah. So, where was I going with that? Yeah, he doesn't know. He, 
I don't know, something that you just said that interested me, though, was like he doesn't remember uh, delivering the book to the publisher. Right. And the publisher doesn't... It, Had it, it for it, months. ...doesn't agree that he even sent anybody with Sam Neill to go on this adventure. Yeah, Styles didn't exist. Like, Styles didn't exist. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know Which what he your just, point I, was. So, but. I really... I, 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 I don't know. I just really feel like... You punched her in the oh, face too many Because we, we were talking about we were talking about the timeline of everything. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what we were talking about. Was you the, said the was beginning the... is the end of the movie, right? Yeah, and, 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 and it, yeah, it clearly is. So like, Sam Neill goes on goes on a rage with an axe and gets his ass locked up because he realizes that the book is out in public domain and he knows the power of the book because it was basically used against him and to make him kind of forget who he was or what he's doing. Right. So that that's all I was getting at was that. And I keep losing my fucking place in this movie. Because <laughs> you don't I'm, know if you're I'm in the podcast no. or if you're in the real world. Am I in? Kyle? A, am I, yeah. Am I in a podcast or a, am, is this just all a blog on FriendlyNeighborhoodFilmmaking.com? I don't know. <laughs> this is the point I'm trying to get at. What we were talking about is he one of them? Right? Yes. Is he one of them? No, he's not. He's faking it. No. I mean, the whole movie shows <laughs> his Look, breakdown. The, the film shows his breakdown. Right? We know at the beginning of the film. What is it? Is his agent or something like that? No, his lawyer. Who's the one that kills hits him with the axe first? Oh, uh, that's the that's agent. Sutter Kane's that's agent. The pl- agent. That's, that's the agent. Yes. Right. He is the first one that feels he's the only one who read who has read it, other than the editor. Right. Apparently. Right. Right. And then as we continue to go through it, as it appeared to me, more and more people start talking. Yeah, like people are kind of getting crazy sometimes when they read a book, and it's kind of more of an ignoring thing, right? Like, right. yeah, but I like his work affects people. Right. I think by the time we get to, um. Like the end of the flashback when he's talking to the doctor and he says, "Is he one of them?" I think we're talking about like a good amount that can't be ignored anymore. Right. The moment where I think it goes just absolute bedlam is when there's the attack. It like in the hospital. Right. That's when it, I think it becomes like it, you know we hit like the singularity or some shit. Sure. And like everybody is now affected. Right. Except for Sam Neill. Because there's a movie. Because right, exactly. That's, I think that's, that's how what it, it really it how got it works. Pushed out. over the edge and yeah. then got the mass audience. I think that timeline as it goes is like it, it, it's it's like a, a like an infection, a virus. Yeah. yeah. Slowly but surely, and then all of a sudden it's like boom, everyone's got I it. I think that's why I was trying to associate with like people who read it kind of become zombies because you can look at it as an as an as an infection that. Uh, infects their psychosis. I wonder too if it I think it's even earlier than that. Wait, what's earlier? His inf- his infection, we'll say. I don't because when he reads those books and rips the cover because they say either weak ones they say the weak ones are are are, are disturbed by his books before even before even uh, what do you call it comes out uh, in the mouth of madness is out. Yeah, it's not out yet. Or the whatever the end one is, uh, Sutter Kane. Right. Uh, the end in the mouth of Madness. Is it the no Hobbs End? No, what's Hobbs the, End. What's the name of the book? The Horror the of Hobbs End is the one that's on the. Oh, okay, so then currently yeah, on the it's show. It's in the mouth yeah. of madness is the one that comes out. That's the newest one. That's that that Sam Neill is tasked to collect the manuscript collect. Yes. for that so they can publish it. So before that even comes out, he's reading his books, and I think that's when he loses his shit. I think he starts to yes, and I but I don't think here's the thing I don't. I think Sutter Kane. If we're looking at Sutter Kane as a as, as like let's let call him an evil, a, a super a super villain who's who's bent on destroying the world, right? I don't think he he injected enough of the insanity into the previous books to cripple the world. I think he's that testing it. It's he's testing it out, and he's and he's testing the techniques out to find out what his writing what what his writing actually has the power to do. Sam Neill, I think, kind of 
feels the effect of it because he reads them all back to back in basically one really fucking long montage in this film. And that's why he seems like he starts to snap, but he, I think he's still sane until he arrives at Hobbs' end. When he, re- when he arrives, up. when he wakes up in the car ride, that's when they're actually in like a level of where he's, he's kind of started to, he, he snapped to the point that he doesn't know he snapped, but he can still kind of come back from it, which is why he goes in the axe, axe rampage at the end so that he can get locked uh, so- up. Just to interrupt that because you brought up something that reminded me. I also questioned if he was alive in this film. I didn't get that vibe. And the reason I say that is because of the scene where you talk about where they go across the bridge into Hobbs End. Is yeah, very it's a like, very it's a very br- bridge over Madison County. I was like, vibe. I was like, y'all did you super bridge over Madison. County. <laughs> I was like, I was like, did they, wait, did they get abducted? What's with this light? These round lights going over. You know what? And I, I like how you you brought up the bridge because we're going full circle, right? We're going back to last week's episode. We're talking yeah. about Beetlejuice. <laughs> we are. Yeah, exactly, right? Again, that is another, a Beetlejuice another, bridge moment. Another great Tim Burton um, films. <laughs> um, well, what I what was weird about that and what, what doesn't connect for me is that when they go over that bridge, it appears as if she's the one having the hallucinations, not him. Like, and it turns out that she's Well, keep in mind, this is a very this is very much kind of a fight club moment, right? She never existed, so she is just. I think. I think, genuinely speaking, she is a psychosis of his mind. The film. Yeah. Okay. So maybe because so she, maybe, she technically but, doesn't exist at the end. She never existed. Because he's not the one that it, the film showcases experiencing these moments. It's her who's driving the car mm-hmm. that's experiencing it. I got a fan theory here. I think he was killed by the axe. The crazy guy with the axe. This Styles is the 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 uh, uh, the the person who's leading him into wherever his afterlife is. That sounds really shitty. Yeah, <laughs> guys, I don't think it's any. And of that. Yeah, I don't think it's any of that either. He's, I'm, not, I'm not on this journey. Uh, he escapes it and goes back to the real world, which brings hell on earth. Boom. Okay. No. I don't know if I'm in. Boom. I'm not let's in that talk, boat. Let's, let's that's a solo solo Cody moment. A solo boat. No, that's an easy. <laughs> a so, a solo that's Cody an easy moment. breakdown. That's an easy breakdown. And let's, then at the end, The Walking Dead happens. No. Yeah. Let's talk about Sutter Kane. Let's talk let's about, about Sutter Kane. Let's talk about Sutter Kane, the author. Not better than Stephen King, apparently. Pa- apparently better than Stephen King, although some people haven't heard of him, which I thought was a little weird. Um, because <laughs> they're inside the book. Do you think? Okay. <sighs> do you think that Sutter Kane? discovered his powers on his last book? Like, do you think... How in control do you think Sutter Kane is of this entire scenario? Currently, uh, completely in control. You think he's completely in control? Because there are some parts of this film where it leads me to believe that, like, he was, like, a normal author, right? And then discovered that he was able to write things into existence. Because he says, like, Hobbs End never existed until I wrote it. Right. Right? Right? And then there's that door, that weird door that he... It's kind of it's the kind of the door holding back like the demons, right? In his mind, but it maybe. Ma- he makes it seem like he, <laughs> the Prince like, of Darkness uh, kind of makes it sound first. like he that door has more power over him than he does. Yeah, wants. he 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 imply he implies what I this is what I think. If we want to talk about maybe the history of Sir Kane fan theory, it mm-hmm. I think yes, I think he is a he was a good um, horror movie author or horror story author. I think his first book. Maybe he started to experience something strange. I think the door is these demons and creatures on the other side that kind of tapped into him specifically. Be like, we're going to use you as a pawn to let us out into the real world. Mm-hmm. So 
as you write, we're going to kind of use power through your words and create the worlds that you are creating around around us, giving us entry into the world. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah, by like the third or fourth or whatever book comes out before in the Math of Madness, that's when he fully realizes I have complete and total control over the world around me. And then you think that, that he becomes a godlike I type think, of person. I, I still, I, I just think he's a puppet in this whole movie. He's you a, think Sutter Kane's a puppet? Sutter Kane is a puppet okay. of the demons behind the door. Oh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. He See, I, that's be. what I thought too. I got an idea yeah. that maybe he wasn't as in control, but I do think that he had the power to write people into existence. He did. So, like the lady who worked at the hotel, like and, I, yeah. I think she was written into and maybe the entire existence. Town. And I think also maybe even John, like John, might have been written into existence maybe, yeah. maybe. to do, to do see, a simple this job. This brings me back to thinking that this is all just the book and it's nothing. No, 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 no. Why are you always going back to it? Like it's in the book. How do you know that the book isn't? How how do you, if he's writing things into reality, they're not in the book. No, I the see, book right, is just he, the tool. Right, he said you no. haven't read the end yet. He keeps saying you he's haven't write, read the he's end He's writing yet. this, like, no, he, this is the book. The whole story is the book. He's writing the character. I've read books like this where it has, like, the, the character's point of view. Right, but it's the, the other book. way around. It's not they're in the book. Yeah. It's that the book, anything he writes in the book becomes real. Yeah, dude. It's the Goosebumps, the movie, did the same thing. Okay, but then he's not in the book then. And they came out of books. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, but he's not coming out of a book. He does come out of a book. <laughs> he's writing him into existence. He writes it. That person is real. Yes. Right. Okay. As I took it, the girl, the only reason she ceased to exist is because she read the end of the book. Right. And then she she came to the under she ceased to exist anymore because right. she knows the end of the story. Right. Her job is now done. Well, she can't right. go with them. She can't live because her future is already now known. Right. So she ceases to exist. Had John decided but it's up to, that to, right. wa- to read the book at the end, he would have ceased to exist. And doesn't she right. say we should just read the end of the book and he like refuses to he do does. it? He does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it propels the story forward because she is not real so there's no, like, she is just like him in the fact that she just serves a purpose in the story. There is no her. That's why she doesn't go on any further. Like, I don't think she ever exists. I think this is all See, but there's a the book. Thing, the thing, no, the thing I'm, I'm saying is that he's writing things in reality, right? For yes. instance, if I just wrote Kyle into existence, you'll all have a history of, like, knowing Kyle for long. Chris will remember him being his cousin. Yes. Everything. If he read the end of the book, Chris would be like, who the hell is Kyle? <laughs> yes. Now, even if Chris is 100% real or not 100% real, he's actually being influenced also by whatever Sutter is writing. Yes. So, yeah, Sutter is, yes. Sutter is the author of whatever world we're in. He. Which is the real world. He has he has influence over the real world, not that he's creating a fake yeah, world his, that people his exist His powers in. have transcended I to a point where he what he's writing is affecting the real world by not affecting it directly. And my, and my belief system is there is no real world in this this whole well, story. Well that, that 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 that's well then now you're going into like film, sophicism. That like, makes that's the like, whole film moot, basically. Yeah, that it becomes a moot situation. Yeah. Which isn't which isn't the case because this film has a very, very pronounced and very, very strong uh, world has come to an end vibe. It we as an audience member, I at least for me personally, I know for a fact the second he gets out of the asylum, he is in reality. He's in the real world because he has, he's never read the book. He still exists. He's never ended, but the world around him has ended because they've read the book and they've 
they the, they've done what the book was supposed to do, which was push everybody into a level of psychotic psychosis. And basically, we we know that the book also opened the door for all the demons to come through. That's why in the asylum there are huge claw marks on the door. So the reality is that demons now roam the earth and have but destroyed the, the, the world. Story, but that is the reality. The whole story they're questioning what reality is, and I think that's because they want you to question that at the end and obviously you guys' conclusion was that this was this whole thing was real i think the reality exists within this book from the get-go like this is a whole the whole thing is the story of we're watching the book we're watching the movie so have you have that, you have you ever read an hp lovecraft story most i've read none of them but i know that most of them start with a flashback and then like well yeah go. I, mean, I mean okay yeah kind of i mean but some of them do, but like a lot of those have to deal with a lot of it deals with the concept of madness and the concept of madness being kind of like what you experience in the world like isn't like you can never know if it's really real. You know what I mean? Like that's what madness is, right? If you're talking to, to voices or something like that, you really do think those voices are real because they're making you act on things. They're making you do things, right? right? You're not imagining, hmm. right? And then you realize how fragile the mind is and how it can manipulate you, and how you're just like this, like kind of like this meat sack running around yeah. with electrical impl- impulses guiding it. And if those impulses can be skewed even the slightest bit, you could jump off a cliff or something and be like, "This sounds like Jello." Like you, you know, like you could do whatever the hell you know anybody wants you to do, right? Yeah. So, and I think that that's what this book, this is more or less about. I think like the idea of things being real or not real. I think this is more of a, a story about, like, insanity, ver- like, what the mind can actually create mm-hmm. and what 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 actually exists. Like, I, I do agree kind of more with Kyle. I think there are demons and stuff like that, but I think when people are axing themselves to death and, like, killing each other, like, I think, yeah, it's because these demons have affected their minds and turned them insane. Mm-hmm. So... I don't I like and I don't disagree I don't disagree with that part of the story where these demons do that but I just think that every character and everything in the story is fictional. I don't that, think there that, is that, an actual that, set reality what in this are, world. What are we watching then? We're watching the actual fucking book that is in the mouth of madness. Like I the story that it's telling like if you were to start at on page 1 we, at what point do the, we come out of it? Never. Because this movie never. this movie because it, it ends with walking dead. This movie exists. This movie though exists in our reality right now though this movie does because of the fact that there is a movie that is that came out directed by john carpenter so we know for a fact that this movie exists in our reality you know i i almost wonder if if it's so confusing just because (laughs) they were trying to get super meta with this movie i think that i like like I, i was just reading here that it says you know like there's, you know, obviously the end where it shows the film that he's watching is, a, you know, if you look at the poster, it says directed by John Carpenter, it says. Mm-hmm. But, you know, every, it has all the right names on it except for the, the actors. The actors are the names of the characters in, the, in, in this film. And so I'm almost just wondering if it was like an experiment with like a meta idea. That's what know? I think. That's what, no, like, that's, that's exactly 100% of what I'm saying. It's this meta idea of like, let's film this 
this reality that it's takes a mo- all it's takes a movie book. about a book within a book, book. that's a, yes. got a movie in it like kind of a yes. shit like yes 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 it could could, I, could be i guess i, feel, I agree I, with that I feel, 100% i feel like i agree a little bit more i, I agree a little bit more with mike which is like look, this movie this movie is like fucking this is hp lovecraft through and through and this movie is an experiment in psychosis and how how the mind can be completely fucked around and how people's sense of reality is questionable at best and I don't. I don't think that this is just some like experiment to be like let's be let's be meta, be a movie in a movie. I think it's let's really fuck with the audience who's watching our movie right now, and also fuck with the characters in the movie who is experiencing this skewed reality that they don't even know it's real anymore. Because like, and, and at the end, it, like this fi- this film is called in the mouth of madness, right? If we're gonna talk about madness, mm-hmm. you know, it, that's why I feel like yeah, it has some similarities to the Matrix in terms of plot, right? Yeah. But like. The Matrix at no point in time, like, is anybody like, am I insane? Is any of this real? Like, you know? Yeah. They like, should have. Like, they're never doing that. <laughs> they all know they're basically, yeah, I'm in a, in a, in a, in a computer, and I know that this isn't really staked. It's that whole scene with jo- yeah. Joey Pants talking about it. I know it. Fucking but Joey what is Pants. real? <laughs> like, I love that. <laughs> now, they're, they're, more, they're conscious of, like, what's going on. And because of that, they're willing to say, like, the things that I know that aren't real... I'm cool with because the I I I'm I'm cool with the uh yeah. you know it being fake right in this one it's like what's real what isn't real well, when you're mad you can't tell the fucking well, dip right Sutter, well everyone's telling like she, Styles after she goes to the church she comes out and she starts telling him like you're in the you're in the book and he won't believe it she's like but you're in the book and he's like nah like she tells him she he's in the book and that he is a character. Yeah, but I don't. I, I, okay, in the turn between Styles and between uh, Kane, I'm believing Kane more because Kane seems to be more of a well, mastermind. Understand? Yeah. When Kane says this, this place didn't exist until I wrote it. Wrote it within this book. You didn't exist until I wrote it within this book. <laughs> like that's what Mike's I ha- Mike's keep having. going back to the book, like as if like if I write something into existence, then it's real. You're making it sound like Kane wrote himself into his own book, and now he's existing yes. also in the book. Yes. No. That's totally that not what no I'm saying. fucking sense That's at all. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I wrote myself into my own book. He didn't say that. He said, I wrote this town into existence. Yes. Well, when Stephen King writes a story, or anybody author writes a story and writes a town and gives a description description of it, 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 within that book, within that world, that town exists. Like, I know the fucking Hobbit land doesn't exist in the real world, but within that but book- But he just did. It fucking <laughs> That's exists. That's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying that he wrote something- and it manifested itself into the real yes. world, and so, that's what he's saying. In, in your existence, like uh, I don't Tolkien think, is is a real writer who created a who created a fictitious su- world. You're suggesting Kane is just another character in this whole Kane, story, yes. rather than being a, maest- a maestro of he's the He's writing himself as a character no, in this book. I think Kane is a real author. He's a real author. So do I. Who who. Who realizes that his writing has the ability to manufacture a different reality based on what he wants to have happen? I think that's the superpower he wishes he had, so he wrote it in a book and wrote himself as a character that can do that. Wait, now now you're now you're being like reductive because like you're saying that he does have the power to manifest himself into something and then somehow reduce himself all- back into the book. We now all, this is like no, a really yeah. weird. No, we all have a creative like I can write myself into a story and change who I am as a person in that story. 
you become, by being creative. It's called be- creativity. So no, can, you're becoming. Can, can, you just you just said a paradox. It's like can God put? Can God create a boulder that He can't push if He's all powerful? Yes, because He can write it into a story. <laughs> because God is not real, and Jesus is a story. Okay, well, I, I, I didn't. I'm not. I'm not here to. Uh, Talk about the existence of God. I'm talking but about. That's what I'm saying. Though. I'm saying you just created what I what is is a so, paradox. Yes, I can give a God a a weakness. They did it in Greek mythology all the time. They gave. But God is real in this scenario that I'm talking to you about. Do you understand that? I'm telling you that you just created a paradox. He's all powerful, and he wrote himself into a book to give him the all powerfulness. How did he do it to begin with? It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg here? Because no one's gonna know you're powerful unless you tell them, Mike. The thing is, <laughs> oh my god, you're, you're assuming there's like there's a there's 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 a window that goes even further back from what we're seeing, which is which is uh, an author is who who has created the entire story from credits to credits. That we never see and we never experience and that we never know. It's just we're we're just watching the unfolding of a book that some phantom author wrote that is interpreting himself as Cain within the The story story. that we're watching. Yes. Which I don't think is true. But I but but I see where you're going with it. I just I just don't think it's I don't think it's that meta. It doesn't go that (laughs) deep. It, I don't think it goes I, that deep. I think it tries to, but it may not do it very well. I mean, the opening shot is books being printed on a printing press. I, I just, you know, I don't know. It just, I don't feel like it goes. There's no way to indicate that that would be that would be the Look, case. Su- like it, S- Sutter Kane is a real fucking author who has real fucking abilities, be it be it given to him by these demonic presences or whatever the fuck it is. But we we learn this because. The, the Charlton Heston's character exists in reality, and he in reality he's a fucking publisher for a fucking author. Like, does that make sense? That has disappeared, apparently. Yeah, Charlton Heston never Charlton disappeared. Really doesn't no, 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 no. no. Sutter Kane disappeared. disappeared. That's the whole setup. You don't even know Sutter Kane's real the whole this time. This guy, this guy disappeared. You have no idea that Sutter Kane's real the whole time. I know he's real. I you want... never you you don't see him until he shows up into a fictional town. As an actual person, you don't see it's him. It's not until a he fictional until... town, though. It's a what real if town. Sam Neill is Sutter Kane the whole time? Oh my! Well, you, God. no, that would. Ooh, that's You're... good. No, it's not. That's good. Because <laughs> I, I was waiting for that to happen. Yeah. I was waiting for that <laughs> to be yeah, like you good. are Sutter. Well, no, because if you oh say if you say the reality thing, and you is went true, crazy, and we had to put you in a loony bin because you wrote too much crazy the, shit. If you say the reality thing is true, then after he gets out of whatever book reality that he was in, he goes to that place and says, "I want to speak to your manager." And we get that line. And then walks out immediately. They say after. that place has never fucking existed in America. Not never. Yes, but those people haven't actually look that Sutter Kane wrote that town into existence. So it can stands it out to reason. Yeah. Yeah. Or it stands or, to reason yeah. that you know what? You know that he wrote the town in and they haven't done they haven't done a census, you know? It, they haven't done a census yet, so they don't know that town is there yet. You know what I mean? I like mean, theoretically, it's very it's very simple to create. You could easily there there are there are undiscovered fucking islands full of like cultures and people and stuff like that. Like there could very well be a town in Middle America that nobody's actually been to yet because it just popped up well, overnight. Tr- Trent even says like that when he puts together the covers, yeah, 
uh, Charlton Heston says, that town doesn't exist. It's not on the map. Yes. And he said, well, there's a lot of towns not on maps. Right. Yeah. Like, we're never going to know until we go there. Yeah. And that's what starts the whole yeah. movie, on, really. On, on older maps or, yeah. uh, or whatever the Which, fuck. by the way, when he put those covers together, like, I didn't, see I didn't nothing. make any sense of I that. Didn't I didn't understand that either. There was a couple. Well, it made of... sense when he laid a map of the United States over it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then but it I was felt the, like the he shape was just of like cutting... was it New Hampshire or something? Yeah, or it, looked, it, it totally looked like yeah. like yeah, like I don't know. It's supposed to be New Hampshire. Hampshire. Maine? I think it is actually Maine. It was, Maine. Right, it was right next to Maine. Whatever's that's next a, to Maine. Th- I think that's a throwback to Stephen King because most yeah, because stories start. Well, he is he's from Maine. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more, and then we'll rate this mammer jammer. We'll be right back. You sound like Kane. No, not me. You're the Kane lover. I just like being scared. Kane's work scares me. Well, what's to be scared about? It's not like it's real or anything. Well, it's not real from your point of view, and right now reality shares your point of view. What, what scares me about Kane's work is what might happen if reality shared his point of view. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not talking about reality here. We're talking about fiction. It's different, you know? A reality is just what we tell each other it is. Sane and insane could easily switch places if the insane were to become the majority. You would find yourself locked in a padded cell, wondering what happened to the world. And we're back. We're just joining us. You missed a lot of the show, so go back and uh, listen to the good part. We're going to get into the technical. That's also the good part, so stay tuned for this. (laughs) (laughs) I really feel like I don't know what I'm supposed to tune in and tune out. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I I like the technical of this film. What's that? I like the technical aspect of this film. I thought it was shot solid, for me at least. I thought lighting was good. Attention was built great. Sound was great. That fucking intro song is bitching. I I think this film is technically probably the best part of this film. Like oh, yeah. it, it looks great. Yes, looks the great. wide angle looks great. The locations are awesome. Yeah, that um, that New England kind of small town, you know, isolation. Great. Yeah, I I mean, do John you... Carpenter knows what the fuck he's doing at this point. Well, he I'm knows glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask, how do you guys think this compares, though, cinematography speaking, to his other films? Though he's a little braver in other films, I think, like as far as choice wise. But I think he used appropriate choices for this film. I don't think there was anything too outlandish. Like I felt like this was somewhat meant to be a Hollywood film. I don't know. I feel like he was a little with the composition of like the shots and stuff. He was like almost a little more Kubrick in this film. Yeah, man, there was some cool shots like that shot where he's like in that big white room and there's that. It's like a long shot. Long hallway. Oh, yeah, hallways. Everything's very symmetrical. Everything's very bold. Yeah. You know, he does a lot of cool shots in this that I don't remember seeing in really any of his earlier works. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe Prince of Darkness. That's what I was gonna say that you could like, compare it to is Prince of Darkness, as far as like cinematography. Got a little stuff. more grand with this one, I, I think. Agree. In yeah, some, for some I kind of felt like it, it, it. I felt like the movie had a little bit more. I agree with, with Cody. I think the movie had just a little bit more kind of call it call it polish or call yeah. it Hollywood or whatever you want. But it, it felt it. I don't know why, but for some reason, there's not as many shots in this movie that I feel like are completely iconic and what I can think when I yeah, think I of John Carpenter I think of there, there there's 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 like you know there there's a style and tone and look into and, and the way the camera moves through his shots and I didn't get a lot of that in this movie in like, the classic really? in the classic John Carpenter films you're saying yeah I agree with you on that I agree with you there is a grit there's a grit to the classic John Carpenter films that I absolutely love I feel like there's a grit to it where this had that polished where it mm-hmm. seems a little like 
there wasn't enough like alleyways with like blue fog in the background for you. In just, this that one. One. Like, just that one. Just that one. Definitely was like I, I, I even like the simple shots. I was like, this is such a fucking John Carpenter movie. Like it. Like I really, oh, I, I really felt his 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 touch on on this film. I don't yeah. disagree. It didn't look. It looked like a John Carpenter <laughs> film. I don't disagree with that. But I think it just it did look too too perfect. Like this is not like Ghost of Mars though. No. Like I just can't we just like rack this up to the fact that it was made like in the 90s. Five, yeah, like 5 years <laughs> later and he had more technology and he was like, "All right, I'll use it." I think that's what it was, honestly. I think I think like the film that he used maybe even before before this like was maybe a well, little no, grittier. Even, I don't know. He's like, probably using a cheaper film. I feel stock, like the stuff but... he did for like Prince of Darkness was even more a little more like, yeah, like but the, he, the he TV got... within the the TV and the whole shit that happens at the beginning of the but Prince of he, Darkness. Even like with, is a little more with Prince of Darkness, he he I feel like he took he he I don't know, they were, I, there was more experimental, I feel like with yes. Prince of Darkness because when you look at Prince of Darkness, like he specifically uh, shot the film. Remember, we brought this up when we talked about that movie. He specifically shot the the film with a a, a a a slightly wider angle lens, but then shot it in the incorrect aspect ratio, and then stretched it so you get this kind of skewing pulling sense sense to the actual church building itself. And it was like it's an incredibly yeah. incredibly subtle technique. Yeah. Um, and if you're not looking for it, you might kind of look past it, but it creates more of a, a feeling in me as a viewer. An emotional connection than this movie, where it's kind of stuff's a little more out front. On well, on, well, that's what I'm saying. Display. It's more deliberate in this film. Well, like, I would actually are... say I've se- I saw some shots in this film that were exactly what you just described, like where it almost looks like it's warping, like yeah. as as they pan because it's so wide that the, you get the angle on the lens, you get the curve of the lens. And it like does have this really uneasy feel, which is kind of what reminded me of a Kubrick movie. Yeah, that's a what bit. I'm saying. Like, a lot of Kubrick, he did those long shots with like I think they use like a telephoto lens or something like that, and they like like rack focus. What is that called? There's a there's a way that you can zoom you someone push. in, and then everything in the back. Yeah, you're going out. from wide to telephoto, but keeping right. your focus point the right. Same. Right, yeah. that's exactly right. And I I feel like he does that, especially in that hallway shot. Another another thing that's pretty impressive is when he, like, the transition from the town to, like, when he gets to the bank. There's all those weird jump cuts and, like, color changes and stuff like that. Yeah. It really does, like, disorient you more than I feel oh, like. Oh, the bus a, ride? Yes. Yeah, the bus ride was, I, I actually thought that was an incredibly interesting scene. Yeah. I liked that scene a lot. There it, was a, there's a line that's said in that scene that says, didn't you know my favorite color was blue? And I didn't, yes. I didn't know this because I didn't. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, it's just all blue now for some reason. But apparently, if you look, all of the characters have blue Everybody's eyes. Everybody's blue. Yeah, blue eyes. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't notice that upon or when I was watching. Was, yeah, it, but... it, that, that's why I loved about that scene. Yeah, and and I think it was. I think that scene kind of illustrates a little more like Sarah Kane's kind of control over yeah. reality, which is right. like, it was my favorite color. And now. The bus is blue. The sky outside is blue. The green grass outside the window has turned blue. Everybody's wearing blue, and yeah, their their eyes are a little more piercing and blue and, yeah. and bright. Can we, I thought that was really cool. Can we talk about the creature design a little bit? Yeah, let's talk about. Did that. Did you like that? I thought it was great. I loved it. Really? Yeah, I man. I've got an not it, a huge fan I've got an of it, it in some places. I've got an issue with. And you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's this movie specifically, but I think I just in general have an issue with. H.P. Lovecraft inspired monsters. 
because uh, you and I watched, um, Chris, you and I watched, we tried to watch that one movie that's like... Oh, From Beyond? From Beyond. Yeah. And I the, love that the creature design in that is very similar to this. I mean, it's all kind of pulled from that same... Lovecraft. That same Lovecraftian universe yeah. kind of idea. And like... Everything's got tentacles. Everything's got tentacles. <laughs> everything's slimy. Everything looks very smooth. And maybe it's, maybe it's, it, maybe it's a victim of the 90s, but I just saw that and I thought... Man, it's kind of cheap. Really, uh, I, I was I said the I, thing design was so much better in that. I, I mean, that's like eighty one. I thought <laughs> but, a lot of the creature stuff in this movie was re- there's was go- really cool. There's some gold <laughs> in there. Don't get me wrong. There's some gold in there. I know. I think I know specifically what you're talking about, Kyle. But there is some gold in there. Old lady downstairs with the fucking axe going at that the husband. Super cool. Super fucking. That cool. looked like that. That when she was silhouetted, I will say that looked like that the was thing. pulled straight from the fucking it thing. Did. Yeah, right it did. Right at the end when the thing yeah. is standing there on its final form, you know. Um, and and I'll agree. Yeah, there there are gems, but the scene I'm mostly talking about is, is when the, they is, picture the the he rips the book right, and he's getting chased down the hallway. Yes. I thought that was kind of looks cheesy. terrible. However, the scene that I think I liked the most in this movie that had anything to do with the creature was the silhouette woman behind the door and you see all the tentacles like oh yeah that's great all like pulling into her and shit and the door opens and it's her when Styles is freaky that's just freaky he ripped it off of you know like the cut of what was on the cutting room floor of the exorcist but there's something creepy about like when somebody crab walks backwards okay I'll agree with that too that that scene fucked me up but also it was kind of like oh yeah that's the scene that was Notoriously cut from the Exorcist right. well, that I they like put back they, in. They took to it, it an later extra extra place here because the body rotates and the head stays stationary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fucking. That was freaky. I but, was right, but I have to I have to come down on that one a little bit because there is a shot where they show it and you can clearly see somebody's just wearing a mask upside down and yes. they're crap yeah off. yeah you can, I know the, that, you can see yeah. the seam where yeah. their chin is at you can see, right. like their hair like <laughs> under <laughs> the other hair it's really weird yeah, yeah I but. still think it's a cool effect freak oh, me sure, out I don't sure, know yeah. why but yeah, yeah there, there's uh, you, uh, can I just I'll, but can I say as far as the editing goes like I felt there was a lot more cheap like jump scare situations going on in this where it's like Fast montage of loud sounds and weird visuals. Of the things are crazy. Okay, now we're back into reality. Okay, like maybe it was a time a thing to do in the nineties. You know where totally was where it was just like we're gonna freak someone out because we're gonna cut in on some crazy ass shit real fast and yeah. get out. Event you know? Horizon like, did it. Like yeah, it's exactly. just Sam Neill movies. Jurassic Park did yeah. it. Did well, Jurassic it, Park <laughs> do that? No, no. <laughs> shooter. <laughs> So, phenomenon you know, or yeah. not phenomenon? Possession didn't do it. Possession didn't no, do it. No, but that's definitely did that. <laughs> definitely did. That, 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 that did a lot more, of other things. That has yeah. way more to do with a uh, a. Uh, she was a French director, Czechoslovakian director. Nah, he's a Polish. Polish. There you go. Anyways, yeah, uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just. It's just that I've outgrown that thing, like that cheap scare. But oh, to, I have too. I don't. I don't like that in movies. I think that's. Like you're 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 completely ditching the effort that need that that's required to create genuine suspense, yeah. And you're just trading it in for a cat jumping well, in front of the screen. Well, that's the thing that no, the thing that drives me crazy about it is like that scene that you were talking about with monsters. Instead of like, hey, let's show, like let's get one or two really good monsters. We need, uh, but like. It was like a weird army of them. Uh, it was like a weird shitty ass army of them. Yeah. And it's like we can't show them really that long at all. So let's go ahead and just like. Flash their faces on screen for like three seconds at a time. Yeah, and and even like there there's there's one shot 
where they actually hold on the whole army coming down the hallway. And and I was like, like two seconds, you, you didn't that. need that. You didn't even need that. You could take that out. Yeah. It would have felt better about it. I agree. I, I, it would have been so cool to have, like, if they would have pulled from Lovecraft's kind of, like, the library of creatures that, that he's created over time, like, one really gnarly beast of a monster kind of, like, cruising down after him would have been really cool. Yeah, I believe, like, oh, this is the first monster that got there. There's probably more behind it. I didn't need to see, Or this like, is, like, the Overlord yeah, monster. Yeah, I, I didn't need to see, like, a society of blended fucking... I got, <laughs> a, I like. got a society vibe yeah. from that scene, I'll too. I'll say maybe there was a few too many, but there were some cool-looking creatures in that fucking Yeah, but you know, I thought so, too. That's, yeah. that's I, I, maybe too. I'm the only one no, I, th- I, there was at least one I saw in there. I was like, "That's fucking scary." Looking. Yeah, it was the one that looks like Cthulhu. That was it. That was. <laughs> there the was a few Cthulhus, I don't think it was that but, one. I mean, I don't think it was that one. Yeah, that was one with definitely some kind of weird jaw yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like a big hulking looking one in yeah, there too. And I like, remember that. And I was like, "That's fucking rad." And 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 I actually was like glad that they did. I'm glad they didn't show more than what they did of that. Yeah. Like I think. Oh, it me too. Could have been so much. Oh, you're worse. right, Chris. I, I mean, they had no, glad no, they didn't show more too. That made it. That made it more scary. I feel like that you couldn't really quite like make it out entirely. Yeah. I guess my thing is like I just look at that and I think to myself like, you know, it's like you 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 take a. You, Maybe it's just the difference of like who's running your special effects department, I guess. Yeah. Because like again, well, this I, is like I, Greg Nicotero and all those motherfuckers. This was yeah. Well, they did better with Rob Bottin on fucking Thing then, because like Thing, like that shit, you could shoot that shit in harsh light and it looks solid. You know, yeah. Like this one, if I if you if you had like any more lighting than they had set, then it would have given away the gag yeah. so much easier. Yeah, that's a fact of life. It is a fact that's of the life. Nineties. It is the nineties just has a weird vibe yeah. to the film quality? It's like a, it's like a, it was like a soft glow to every fucking movie somehow. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say we rate this, ma'am or jam? Ma'am or jam? Rate this memory. Let's do it. What do we rate it, Kyle? Um, I actually liked the suggestion. I want to go with Black Cran. Black Cran. Yeah, so funny. Let's start with let's start with Mike. Let's go, Mike first. Uh, yeah. So I kind of like. Didn't think I was going to like this film as much as I did. <laughs> I really did like this film a lot. Um, it, you know, and, and I do agree that there's some things that threw me off. Uh, Cody, you know, the face ripping thing. Yeah. And the ending. Yes. The ending kind of, I don't know, man. I wasn't super thrilled about how the way it ended. With him in the theater? Yeah. I would have, I if I if I re, re, recut this film, I would have yeah. sliced that scene out, and I would have just had him emerging into the world destroyed, and then poof, leave it up Yeah, that, that would have been a better thing. Yeah, yeah, I do think it was something like that, where I was like, all right, now you, all right, yeah, and I guess I guess you now cease to exist, I guess, based on what we've seen, I guess, I you know, like, it just, I thought it was too much, right. and I didn't like it. But um, other than that, man, the whole rest of the film, man, I thought it was, like, pretty captivating. Like, I like films about madness. I don't know why that is. It's, like, one of those weird things. Like I said, like, I liked From Beyond. I like films like that that deal with, like, what is real, what isn't real, like, what's in your mind, what can I, what can someone manipulate in your mind to make you see things that maybe even are there, maybe demons are there, and they're not insane. Like, I think this is maybe why I like Communion so much, you know? Um, I'm going to give this film a four. I really was surprised by how much I liked this film. Yeah. Four for Mike. 
Man, I, I guess I'll go next. That's... <laughs> well, no, no, to. no, because like I agree with Mike. I for the first half of this film, I'm pretty captivated until that fucking page rip, dude. <laughs> that page rip is something. It's just so out of place. It stops your belief in this film hardcore. Because I'm like Mike too, man. In the beginning of this film, I'm into it. I'm trying to like, what's going on? What's the mystery? I want to solve this. What is real? What isn't real? Like you know, I'm like I'm that into it. I'm like trying to figure this out. And I don't think the acting's like atrocious, like some people might say, Chris. <laughs> but I think it's pretty. You know, I I was into it, and then that fucking page rip happened, and I'm like, oh god damn it! And then yeah, the ending too. I just didn't didn't get me. Yeah, I don't just know what it was. Me. I don't know if I liked it as much as Mike did, uh, though. I was I. I don't think the pacing is bad. It's just kind of a slow story. <laughs> I don't think the pace is bad though. I just think the story is kind of anticlimactic because I didn't jump a lot at all in this movie, and I like I thought the tension was great and it always had me guessing what's going to happen. And I think the scariest thing in this fucking movie is that goddamn painting that wasn't yeah, mentioned. That so I'm going to mention that that fucking painting is creepy. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a three on this. I feel comfortable with a three. Chris, two point five all the way. Um, this movie has some really, uh, it does have some cool visuals, some cool effects. Um, it, it is well made. It's well shot. You know, John Carpenter, he, he knows how to make a movie. He knows how to put, you know, a good, a good looking piece of something together. But unfortunately this one, um, just fell flat for me. I think Sam Neill is a little bit phoning it in on this one or, or he didn't know quite how to do it. Um, the story's not particularly that interesting to me. Like I do like the setting of it and going to this like small New England town and all of the, this stuff, but the whole Sutter Kane thing, I don't know why it just like turns me off. Like, I'm like, that's such a cheesy name to me. And it's like, I know they're trying to play off like the Stephen King, like, you know, the horror element, but you know, and it ha- but it also has this Lovecraftian, you know, vibe to it as well. I like that at that aspect to it, but I think this movie is just a little too fucking convoluted to like really latch onto for me. Um, I don't think the pacing's bad necessarily, but I think it this movie's kind of repetitive, and maybe that's for plot's sake, you know. But I it just kind of like it's not that I hate to say like oh I just didn't understand it, but I really don't think I understood it that well. Like and and and. I'm not interested enough to go back and try to figure it out. Um, It's not one of John Carpenter's best films. It definitely feels like a 90s movie. Um, But, yeah, check it out. I mean, it's part of his catalog, and you can see a lot of other films that he's done in this one, which is fun. Um, Right down the middle of the road, 2.5. Not a terrible movie, but not one of my favorites. And last, Kyle. Um, You know, it's funny. I I was coming into this... uh, I was coming into this probably at, like, a 2... Um, this conversation, though, has raised my score up to about a three on this. I, I, I think the the missing element of why I didn't really r- remember a lot of this film and appreciate a lot of it is because there's never really been a, a dialogue I've ever had with anybody about this movie. So it's always just been my perception of how I took it and talking to what Cody, how Cody perceived it, and Mike and Chris. Uh, it, it made me kind of think, okay, there's there's something here. I mean, technically speaking, I don't think it's John Carpenter's best work. 
Um, there's so many other films that I love so much more. Um, and, you know, as as being, you know, considered uh, the third in his trilogy of end of the world type films, I feel like this one doesn't fit because of like what Mike brought up just before we, we went into the rating was the ending. And look, the, the issue with this movie and why I don't really classify as part of those is like you look at the two other films, which is The Thing and Prince of Darkness. Both of those movies have an ending that is open-ended, that feel like it. So Thing ends and it, it leaves me wondering, what's going to happen next? What's what what world are we going to wander into? And same with same with Prince of Darkness, you have that that great final shot of him dreaming about the same kind of scene over again. And like, did any, did, did did anything they do even stop any of this stuff? This movie, because of that weird scene of him watching himself in the movie laughing, kind of ruins it for me. Because if you had just ended with with showing us as audiences Sam Neill's viewpoint that he has emerged this insane asylum into a world that is completely destroyed, that leaves so many more questions. But this this like laughing scene he has at the end just like it almost buttons it up in like like not a good way you know it almost like it it, it leads you to believe like oh he's insane or it, it gives too much it gives too much to the ending so i i don't like that aspect at, at all and i think that should be nixed from the film um other than that I, I didn't really have a problem with sam neill's performance i you know i think if you watch more sam neill films i feel like this is on par with Sam Neill, like you start watching more of his obscure shit, but um, I'm I'm glad we reviewed it. I'm glad we got a chance to kind of dig into it. So three from from me. Three for Kyle. That's me. <laughs> it was that pull back camera moment of Holy Mountain. What was that? Yeah, yeah. like, right, exactly. You know, exactly. Like, we didn't you've need been it. in it the whole time. We didn't need that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, with that, well, because, yeah, the thing that made me also question about that in the end, too, I'm glad you brought that up, is because he knows that movie's going to destroy him if it's everything that they're saying is true. Because he knew, right? Yeah, that's why he's laughing. Yeah, that's why I figured die. he knows he's going to die. That's how I took it, but... He knows he's doomed. And with the other plot hole that... Uh, is there that that Mike pointed out earlier? So I'm surprised Plot he came. Plot with Mike. Yeah, I'm surprised he even came to a four. Is what about all the blind people? What? What but blind people? All the blind people in the world. They're fine. They no. can't see the movie or read the book. And it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I, well, I made, it, I made a joke. I said audio book, but then there's the audio book. Yeah. Well, did, didn't he say that? Didn't he say? Didn't he make a joke about it? They, She's he like, said, "What you if, should what about read the his work." And she goes, "Do you have it on tape?" Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> You have it on tape. I was like, that's a nice jab because, you, you know, she loved reading. <laughs> 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 Shit. Uh. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. We got some uh, reviews to read. Who wants to read yeah. one? Um, I've got w- the one pulled up from our U.S. All right. Let's iTunes. hear it. Um, so we have a review here. Five-star review from Senior Semper. Thank you, Senior. And... <laughs> Uh, the title is "What Time Is It?" Tool time. <laughs> and he says, "Great podcast reminds me of something I might hear on NPR at two a.m. It's a good time slot. What time is that? That's it? fantastic. It's a good time you. slot. I, I, as <laughs> as the audio uh, professional of the podcast, I thank you for associating <laughs> me with NPR. That Welcome is to a Cold great... Film and Review. And what time is it? <laughs> Welcome to uh, Cold Film Review Hour." Thank you, Senor uh, Semper, for that. I appreciate that. Hour of the Cult. I have two here, actually, from the UK. 
Okay. Uh, well, yeah, this one's from a guy named Isaac Real. And uh, real. he left us two stars, and uh, he said, I may be your youngest listener. Mm. And this may be true. We don't actually know. But it says, I'm only 14, but the laughs and thoughts you provide me with are nothing short of top-class entertainment. Thanks, Isaac. Well, thank you, Isaac, for being 14 and being interested yeah, in the cult films. I love that. It doesn't feel like a two-star That doesn't yeah. feel like a two-star. That's like when Cody... Yeah, reviews you know, every when, film. When, when, Cody, <laughs> when Cody spends an hour taking a shit on something, and he's like, I think it was a five-star. <laughs> <Yeah>. 3.5. 5. <laughs> Don't listen to him, okay. Isaac. You're going to grow up to be a champion. <laughs> All right? Thank you, Isaac. Champion Isaac Real over here. <laughs> yeah, then we got another one um, from Stephen Horror. Uh, he left us five stars, and uh, he says, Congratulations on three years. That's the title. Thanks for three years worth of reviews. You guys help my days go by faster. I can't help but shout out random film quotes uh, from the films you're reviewing. Keep up the great work from Stephen Horror. Thank, Thank you, you. Stephen. Thank you for listening for three years. Yeah. yeah. You're awesome. for the long haul. The 2015 club. There you go. You can, 2015 <laughs> Which club. you can get a shirt right now at redbubble.com. Just go to the search bar, and then what you do is you want to search CFIR. That stands for Cult Film Interview. Is this Take what it we're, right is this to what our shop. Is this what we're turning into? Yeah. We're, gonna, we're, we're just going to be a shameless plug. Yes, when it we're is. trying to give praises. Yeah. To our we should do lovely it. listeners. After listen, <laughs> listen, guys. After you do that, what you want to do is you're gonna want to go home, put this fabulous shirt on. <laughs> then you're gonna want to take a picture of yourself with maybe your cell phone. I don't know. It's usually the quickest camera I have around. Boom! You take it. You post it on your social media, like maybe Instagram or Twitter, and then you tag Colt Film hashtag CFIR hashtag CFIR. But you also tag. Cool film underscore review on Instagram. Oh, we gotta share it at or at Twitter, and then we'll yeah, we, we'll get this, it and we'll share it. I just don't like any of this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because you wouldn't let me explain it correctly. Because I was, and I was also giving away. Where you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ColtFilm underscore review. You can also follow us on Facebook. Make sure you head over to that iTunes. You leave us a review. We'll give you a shout out like we did today. Remember, you can also follow Kyle. At you can follow me on Instagram at cultfilm underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. And you can follow my guy at Mike Salucio on Twitter. And you can follow me at VHS Collect on Instagram and Snapchat. <laughs> you didn't even you didn't even sound confident about that. This got time. a lot of sna- I got a lot of new people. A lot of snapping going. A lot on. of snaps going. A lot on. of snapping. A little chatting. A little snapping. A little chatting. And then remember, if you're going to join a cult, just make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week. Do you read Sutter Kane?